When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hold hands and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Pass. Hello and welcome to Luke Law, a companion piece to the Ghost Story Guys podcast where I share some of the folklore around the stories the main episodes tell. Today I'll be taking a look at Australian folklore as a companion piece to episode 28, The Haunting of Western Australia. That's not a ghost, this is a ghost. As what should be a surprise to no one, Australia can be a little bit different to everywhere else when it comes to folklore. Australia is just kind of like that. Everything is more terrifying down under. It's worth noting that Australia is such a vast, unusual and frequently inhospitable country that over the years, many Australian cryptids turned out to be scientific fact. The duck-billed platypus was famously assumed to be a joke report from the colonies for some time back when the British were first establishing a foothold. If anything in Australian folklore turned out to be real, it wouldn't be much of a surprise. Except for the Yarama Yahoo. Even for nature being set to hard mode, that's a bit much, but I'm saving them for last today. The Australian version of Bigfoot is the Yowie, with mention of the Yahoos or the Yowies quite simply meaning hurry men. There have been loads of reported sightings and they go back a long way. And I mean a long way. This isn't a fad for chasing Bigfoot that bled into the continent from pop culture. The Aboriginal tribes have a long oral tradition surrounding these creatures. The earliest official sighting appears to be made in Sydney in 1789, and the stories come from all over Australia. In some places, the Yowie is a giant between 6 and 10 feet tall. Notably aggressive towards humans, they have clawed talons and are supposedly weighing up to 1,000 pounds. Other regions have stories of four to five foot tall hairy tribes of non-humans though, so there could be multiple Yowie tribes across the continent. The first official sighting being in Sydney tracks quite well with Aboriginal stories, as the tribe hysterically from the Sydney Harbour area claim they coexisted with another non-human tribe there, and nearby cave art does show the giant hairy other tribe of Yowies. The 1789 report was only a single year after the arrival of the first fleet in Sydney Cove, A mixed party of marines and convicts on a hunting trip had killed a bunch of wallabies, and the group claims to have seen an animal observing them from the trees. In their report letter back to London, the hunting party claimed that the creature watching them was twice the height of an ordinary man. Episode 64, Camp Nowhere, and I mean Nowhere, has a Yowie encounter story if you want to go check that out. 
If you want to go looking for Yowies yourself, the Blue Mountain area just outside Sydney, the coastal regions of New South Wales, and the Gold Coast of Queensland are all supposed to be active for Yowies. Just be careful. Regular Bigfoot would be no joke. This is Australian bigger and badder Bigfoot. Nature in Australia has judged humankind to be unworthy, and it is more than happy to do something permanent about us if we're getting uppity. A very different phenomena in Australia is Min-Min lights. Something like will-o'-wisps, or maybe some sort of orb phenomena, except this is Australia. The dial for weird in Australia starts at 11 and only goes weirder. These lights aren't happy to just blink tantalizingly in the distance, or only show up on cameras after the fact. Min-Min lights are giant floating balls of glowing colours that'll follow people around. If the Min-Min light doesn't like you, it'll let you know about it. People can be left feeling overwhelmingly confused and frightened as the Min-Min light stalks along behind them. Min-Min light encounters are so common in parts of Australia that local councils have to put up warning signs so people driving along at night aren't caught by surprise and total their cars. Some Aboriginal tribes believe that Min-Min lights are the souls of elders still watching over the land, tying them in somewhat to current orb phenomena theories. There are also plenty of stories of them leading travellers astray by distracting them and setting them on the wrong path, which lends to the idea they may be a bigger cousin of the Will-O-Wisps. Stories of Min-Min lights are so common that some scientific studies accept them as a given reality and are just trying to work out what the scientific cause behind them is. Suggested causes include mirages, atmospheric disturbances, and bioluminescent animals covering anything from giant glowing bugs to glow-in-the-dark owls. Personally, I'd be very okay if this turned out to be glow-in-the-dark owls, because that's awesome and I would want one. But I keep getting caught up on how the Min-Min lights make people feel, especially the stories of them making Aboriginal tribe members feeling unnaturally frightened. The Aboriginal Australians. They survived Australia with little more than sticks and a can-do attitude for a long time, and Australia has a shrub called the Gimpy Gimpy, which is basically a super nettle so painful, people and animals kill themselves to escape the pain, and that's just the plant life over there. I don't think a regular weird glow-in-the-dark is going to phase them much. Although, if anyone can hook me up with a glow-in-the-dark owl, that would be ace. I've saved a great one for last, definitely a personal favourite. If anyone follows me around as I turn up on other podcasts, which is pretty rare but can happen, on the Right Track podcast, episode 4, Count Dragula, I shared the story of an Aboriginal Australian vampire called the Yaramayahu. This is from the forests of the Pacific coast and seems in line with cautionary folktales aimed at keeping children safe. But this is Australia. As such, the Australian vampire is somewhat different compared to the rest of the world. The Yaramayahu looks like a four-foot-tall frog covered in reddish-brown hair, with a huge mouth that can unhinge its jaw like a snake. It drinks blood from suckers in its fingers and toes, so it'll drop on people from a tree and latch onto them, feeding off them until they faint. They're stronger than the strongest man, great climbers, and prefer feeding on children, but they can only waddle as they walk along the ground, a bit like a cockatoo. Once a victim passes out from blood loss, it'll then swallow them whole, going for a process of swallowing and spitting up the victim in between taking naps. The second time it spits a victim up, they get shorter and lose all their own body hair. The third time the victim gets even shorter and becomes covered in thick reddish-brown hair. Eventually, the victim will become a new Yaramayahu. If you play dead when you're spat up, though, the Yaramayahu has to follow a ritual it isn't allowed to cheat on or the spirits of the fig trees will punish them, turning the monster into tree mushrooms. First, it walks five paces away before returning to poke the victim's side with a stick. Then ten paces before tickling them with a the stick. Then fifty yards, followed by more tickling. 
If the person stays playing dead up to that point, it then goes to have a nap, giving them a chance to run away as the monster is so slow on the ground. The Yaramayahu will call, Where have you gone, my victim, and try to chase, but they are easy to escape. A spiteful Yaramayahu may then drink up all the nearby water, so thirsty people have no choice but to cover tree sap, but they can then try and get a new victim. Although ending on a pretty unusual high note, this is far from everything in Australia. I didn't have time to look at some of the big cat sightings, there's been a recent press fad over there for trying to find a living T-Rex-like creature, I didn't get into the Aboriginal dream world folklore, and there's always so much more than a bite-sized show like this can cover all in one sitting. If the main show heads back over to Australia, then so shall I, so bug Ian and Brennan if that sounds like something you want to hear more on. That's all for Luke Law this time. Next Luke Law should be a return to furries as I shine a spotlight on selkies and kelpies, digging into the elemental fae of the water. If you're interested in seeing what else I have to say about vampires, the right track, right as in writing, is pretty easy to find, and it was episode 4, Count Dragula, that I was on. I may do a special Vampires Luke Law someday, but it's not really something I prioritise as the main show hasn't done vampires, but let me know what you think. I always enjoy getting feedback and will always happily take on any suggested folklore topics. Follow us on Patreon get this early, so check out patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys for that and plenty more cool stuff if you want to support us directly. But as ever, just listening is plenty of support in and of itself. I hope you enjoy my companion show and please feel free to reach out to either the show or myself directly via email, social media if you have any questions, feedback or requests for Luke Law. The show email is ghoststoryguys at gmail.com and I am Luke Greensmith on both Twitter and Facebook. We also have a very active Instagram account full of things just for fun, but also you get some news and peeks behind the scenes on there. Goodbye for now. Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.